What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. On today's podcast, we're, of course, going to talk about the NFL draft. The first round took place last night, and a lot of shit went down. There were some trades happening. There was only one quarterback taken in the first round. That is a shock to all of us because usually a desperate quarterback-hungry team makes the decision to move up and take a first-round quarterback that's probably not worth the first-round pick. Then we're going to talk about a little bit about baseball. I went to my first game of the 2022 season this past week. And this weekend, I'm going to miss a game I want to be at so badly. If there was any regular season game that I could attend, it would be this coming Saturday, and I'm going to miss it. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll go over some second round NBA playoff matchups. There's only one series left in the first round between the Minnesota Timberwolves and Memphis Grizzlies. That could potentially end tonight. And I also have a bet with one of my buddies that could end up having electrifying pictures if it ends up happening. But let's start with the NFL draft. Now, the 2022 NFL draft didn't have the hype that the NFL draft usually has. And that's mainly because the quarterbacks didn't really have high grades by all these draft experts. And that usually doesn't matter because, like I said, there's teams in years past that had jumped to the front of the draft to draft a quarterback because they want, they can't help themselves. But to get a quarterback that could either take their franchise to the next level for the next decade plus, and we've seen teams fall on their face many times over when they do that. Remember when Daniel Jones was drafted fifth overall by the New York Giants? Well, just recently, they refused to pick up his fifth-year option because he was a bust. And as a college football fan, I maybe watched one quarter of Daniel Jones play football, and I can tell you, probably not worth the fifth-round pick, and I'm not an expert. But the Giants just couldn't help themselves that year. They needed a quarterback so badly that when Daniel Jones was there, they took him. And then a couple years before that, you had the San Francisco Giants completely dupe the Chicago Bears saying, hey, you better trade up because if you don't, we're going to take a quarterback here. And the Bears gave up a ton of picks to draft Mitchell Trubisky. And years later, Mitchell Trubisky is now on his third team. Was a backup last year to Josh Allen. Flamed out in Chicago. Had a couple good years there, but not quite worth the first round pick. This year, the draft was defense heavy. A couple hours before the draft, it was still up in the air. Who were the Jaguars going to take with the first overall pick? Was it going to be Trevon Walker? On the D-line of the Georgia Bulldogs. The national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And the draft experts came out and said, you know what? Trevon Walker's got tons of potential. Probably the highest ceiling in the draft. A freak. But Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher for Michigan, probably the safer bet. And he's also a freak. But the Jaguars ended up taking Travon Walker. He was one of five Georgia Bulldogs 
from the defensive side of the football drafted. That's an NFL record. They passed the previously Florida State Seminoles, who had four defensive players drafted, and that Miami Hurricanes team in 2006, who had four guys drafted in the first round. But it was still a great draft because wide receiver has become the premier position in the NFL. And if you play fantasy football, you love that. Back in the day, if you drafted a wide receiver at the top of the draft, it was really boom or bust. I think the Lions, three or four years straight, took a wide receiver at the top, and it never really panned out. And I'm not talking Calvin Johnson. I'm talking, I think Carlos Rogers was one of the receivers taken. They took Mike Williams, the USC receiver, who didn't have a great NFL career. But now, receivers are selling like hotcakes. And even on this draft day, we had two trades for number one receivers on their respective teams. The Tennessee Titans traded A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are going all in for Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. And that's a good thing. They drafted Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner last year in the first round. And now they add A.J. Brown, who's had a couple of thousand yard receiving seasons for the Tennessee Titans. Absolutely their number one guy. So they trade for A.J. Brown, two picks. And then they signed A.J. Brown to a $100 million contract, $57 million guaranteed. You got to love that as an Eagles fan. But that wasn't it. The Arizona Cardinals made a move. For the Ravens' number one receiver, Hollywood Brown, traded to the Cardinals for a first-round pick, reuniting with his college teammate Kyler Murray. Cardinals are doing everything possible to make their quarterback, Kyler Murray, happy. We know he was one of the many guys these days that takes all the pictures off their social media accounts. They don't want to be seen in a Cardinals jersey or whatever it is. They delete everything off social media to let it be known they're not happy. So the Cardinals went out and got Hollywood Brown for their quarterback. Other quarterbacks or wide receivers taken in the first round. Drake London, the monster from USC, was the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft this year by the Atlanta Falcons. And I follow a couple Atlanta Falcons accounts on Twitter, and their fans aren't happy. Last year, they got Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. This year, they double it up, getting Drake London, two behemoths over there. But what's the quarterback position look like? They have Marcus Mariota. Not a great offensive line. So will they even be able to get the ball? to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So Aiden Hutchinson doesn't go to the Jaguars at once. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but a lot of shit went down. Trevon Walker goes one to the Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson stays right in his college town of Michigan going to the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to say right now, these are my Detroit Lions. You love Dan Campbell. They're going to be featured on Hard Knocks this year. So they get Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher, and then they draft Jamison Williams, the wide receiver who had a torn ACL for Alabama. But by all accounts, all the draft experts said this guy is electrifying. So the Lions have a good draft. But everyone today is probably looking at what the New York Jets did. They've had a couple of past drafts that look good. They got a lot of picks. But can you hit on those picks? And yesterday, three first-round picks. They get Sauce Gardner, the defensive back from Cincinnati. Didn't allow a touchdown in his college career. 
And then they go and get Garrett Wilson, who a lot of these experts had as their number one receiver on the board. And then to round out their draft in the first round, they get another Georgia defensive guy, Jermaine Johnson. If you watch Last Chance U, he was featured on that show. And he's a beast. Who else had a good draft? Let's see. Not the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers once again refuse to draft a wide receiver in the first round to help out Aaron Rodgers after they traded DeMonta Adams to the Oak, sorry, Las Vegas Raiders this offseason. And I know a couple of Packers fans. My brother's one of them. My good friend Ronnie Clark's another one. And Ron, poor Ron. Every year it's the same thing. They don't draft a top receiver in the first round of the draft. Aaron Rodgers goes on McAfee's Draft Spectacular. That's the only way to watch the draft these days, by the way. Terrific show. They got a bunch of funny bits on there. You have to watch it. Tons of people watch it. But Aaron Rodgers goes on and he says, you know what? At this point, you just have to trust what the organization is doing. But how can you be happy? Ron's saying, oh, I feel a lot better since I heard Rodgers talk. How? The Cardinals help out Kyler Murray. The Eagles go out and get A.J. Brown, drafted Devonta Smith last year, surrounded with tons of talent. I know how good Aaron Rodgers is. He's made some great receivers. And he's made receivers that got drafted in the later rounds of the draft. Pretty damn good receivers. But right now, the Green Bay Packers are sitting there with Alan Lazard as their number one receiver. And if you're not going to draft a receiver in the first round, plenty of receivers have been traded this offseason. Let's go over the list. I just mentioned A.J. Brown to the Eagles. Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. Tyreek Hill was traded this year from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins. Devontae Adams, a Raider. Allen Robinson, a Ram. Amari Cooper is a Brown. And here's a tweet by a guy, Dan Pompey. Let me read it to you. If you're a Packers fan, you should read this tweet and say, yes, I agree. What are we doing? The tweet says, in an offseason with Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Allen Robertson, and others change teams and six wide receivers were chosen in the first round. Can someone explain the Packers with two first-round picks have not made a move to acquire a wide receiver? That says it all right there. While receivers are going off the board, getting traded left and right, how on earth did the Packers not make a move for a wide receiver? Two first-round picks. They didn't want to pay Devontae Adams the same reason the Kansas City Chiefs got rid of Tyreek Hill. They didn't want to pay him. The Titans didn't want to pay A.J. Brown. But how do you not go out and get another receiver? It's baffling. And now there's talk about Debo Samuel potentially getting traded. Reports even surfaced earlier today that the Lions and the Jets during the draft did reach out to the San Francisco 49ers about a trade involving Debo Samuel. And the 49ers said, we're not getting rid of Debo Samuel. (coughs) Excuse me. So the 49ers are actually one of the few teams that say, hey, I know Debo Samuel wants to get paid. 
But we're going to hang on to him as long as possible because he had a fantastic year last year. The way we use him is probably better than any other team can use him. And we're not trading him away. So the wide receiver position has become the premier position in the NFL, and I'm happy about it. As a fantasy owner, there's a lot of dudes out there. If we're looking ahead to a draft, any of these guys that go on the first round are probably going to make an impact. We've seen a lot of these first-round receivers make an impact over the last couple of years. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase last year was insane. He was picked fifth overall. And you know why he was picked fifth overall? Because the Bengals said, oh, Joe Burrow, our quarterback, played college ball with them. Probably needs a security blanket. A guy that he feels comfortable with. A guy that has potential to be the best receiver in the NFL. Probably already is a top five guy. We're going to get him. So I'm not going to sit on this podcast today and defend the Green Bay Packers. And if you're a fan of the Green Bay Packers, you can't be happy. Because you've fallen short the last couple of years with the best quarterback in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers. And something's got to give. But once again, I think it's been since 2002 or 2003, Javon Walker was the last wide receiver the Green Bay Packers drafted in the first round. But let's talk about quarterbacks in this NFL draft. There was only two talked about leading up to the draft. Malik Willis of Liberty... And Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh. And the Steelers were quarterback needy this year. Big Ben has finally left. After a decade plus as the Pittsburgh Steelers' top guy. And Pittsburgh didn't have to move up. They waited till the 20th pick. And they drafted Kenny Pickett. The hometown guy. Four-year starter for Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin said, you know what? This is it. We got to take him. We like that he's 23 years old. He's mature enough. He's going to compete with Mitchell Trubisky. And he can maybe even sit for a year and learn our system. And they picked him at number 20, and that's probably a good thing. They didn't have to move up to get him. He was there sitting, waiting. So there was only one quarterback taken in the first round of the NFL draft, and it was still an exciting NFL draft. I mean, you know it's the NFL draft when I took my break at work and I had 533 text messages. The group chat garage was going off. And there was a lot to talk about. But if you want to talk about steals of the NFL draft, I'm probably not the guy. We're not going to find out and probably until later this year if there's a steal or not. And probably it's not a steal if you get a guy in the first round. It's the first round of the NFL draft. But I want to take a look at the second round. Who's available? What guys are going to go off the board first? Will the Packers have a chance to get a receiver in the second round that was maybe rated as a first-round grade by some of these NFL draft experts? Well, Tampa Bay's got the first first pick of the second-round draft today. And what I'm seeing right now is that they're going to take a running back. Brees Hall, Iowa State. They re-signed Leonard Fournette in the offseason. And I hate to take it back to fantasy, but if they do, I'm kind of screwed because Leonard Fournette's my keeper. And if they draft a running back with a first pick in the second round, I'm not going to be happy. And the Georgia Bulldogs, again, I'm I'm pretty sure their entire defense is going to get drafted by the end of today. Because their top linebacker 
Nicobe Dean, pretty damn good. He's on the board. And right now they have the New York Jets projected to get him. So that even adds to the New York Jets' great draft. As far as receivers go, there's Sky Moore left. He went to Western Michigan. There's the guy from North Dakota State, Christian Watson. That Chris Sims, who I actually, I love when he talks NFL ball. You can tell he puts the work in. He loves the work. And he had Christian Watson as his number one graded receiver. So whoever gets him in the second round, that could be the steal. But the NFL draft was fun. The other quarterbacks that are left, we'll probably see them go today. Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, and Malik Willis of Liberty. And what I'm looking at right now on ESPN, projected second-round picks. You have Malik Willis going to the Tennessee Titans. I think that'll be a great pick. They have Tannehill over there. Who knows how many years he's going to give them. They just, as I said, traded away A.J. Brown. So if they get Malik Willis, who needs some time to develop, that's a good pick. And the Falcons, who have Mariota right now as their quarterback, probably as a stopgap. It has the Falcons taking Desmond Ritter. But you love the NFL draft. All the teams are fired up. And I'll say this. The NFL draft was held in Las Vegas this year. In years past, I've been watching this thing forever. And never have I ever thought that, hey, you know what? I want to be at the NFL draft. It seems hectic. And in past years, it was in New York. It was inside. Didn't look that fun. Even as a fan, maybe if I was a fan of one of these teams that seems to be at the top of the draft every year, it would be fun to go to. But man, Vegas looked fun. They had it outside. It looked like videos or pictures you'd seen from Woodstock. It was packed. And to be in Vegas for the NFL draft, that seems fun. Next year, it's in LA. Maybe me and my friends go. I think we could have a hell of a time. But for the first time ever, I was like, holy shit. I kind of want to go to the NFL draft. Let's pivot to baseball. How are the Dodgers doing? They started off hot. We talked about their seven-game winning streak last week. Then they had a weekend series with the Padres. Took two out of three there. Mookie Betts had a two-homer game. Cody Bellinger had a two-homer game. Freddie Freeman still hitting. Things were looking up. Then they had a three-game series in Arizona this past week, and they dropped two of three. Walker Bueller in game one of that thing pitched his first complete game of his career. First complete game of the entire season. 108 pitches, 10 strikeouts, filthy. Then they dropped game two when I decided, yep, you know what? Why why am I not betting on the Dodgers every single day? Why am I not betting my team? Usually I'm against, against betting on my own team. But the Dodgers even run line. They were probably the best bet at the start of this season. So on that Tuesday, I said, all right, we're going run line, baby. Dodgers are going to win this. They're playing the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks. They've been beating on them for years now. You know what? Tuesday, they lost. And then on Thursday, a day game, Julio Urias on the mound. I had a little parlay going, three-game parlay. Had the Padres over the Reds, because if you bet against the Reds these days, you're probably making money. And I had the Miami Marlins over the Philadelphia Phillies, I believe. Pablo Lopez, the ERA leader in the National League. I said, let's go. We're going to win a parlay. And the Dodgers dropped another one to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Unacceptable to lose two of three 
to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then, of course, I've mentioned that I have to encounter tons of Angel fans working in Orange County. And Angel fans were hyped. Noah Syndergaard starting off strong. They finally have some pitching. Trout's doing what Trout does, hitting the shit out of the ball. Well, the Angels looked good. They had a weekend series with the Baltimore Orioles, and they almost got swept. I said, yeah, Angel fans, come on. Take a seat. Back to reality. You almost got swept by the Baltimore Orioles. You nearly lost all three, but you survived a Game 3 matchup on Sunday by winning 7-6. to six. And then they had a four-game set with the Cleveland Guardians. I bought a ticket, went with my buddy David. On Wednesday night, Otani's on the mound, and I almost saw a cycle. And there's one thing my brother can hang over my head is that he saw a cycle live in action when Orlando Hudson did it on opening day 2013, I believe, and that was awesome. I mean, that's great. That's probably one of the best games he's been to, and he hangs it over my head all the time. Oh, I saw Orlando Hudson get his triple and his final at-bat on opening day 2013. I saw a cycle live. So Taylor Ward hits a grand slam early, hits a double in his second at-bat, triple in his third. I stay for his final at-bat to try to get a cycle on my resume. First pitch pops out. I'm out of here. I'm not staying for the entire Angels game. Nope, it's the Angels. I don't care. I'm never leaving a Dodger game early, but I'm leaving every Angel game possibly early because I just don't have the time to watch and sit the Angels. But they swept the Guardians four straight And for the first time since 2018, this is true, outside of the first day of the season, the Angels were in first place and the Dodgers were not. Shocking, right? Shocking. But the Dodgers have a series this weekend with the Detroit Tigers. And on Saturday, I'm not going to be able to attend Clayton Kershaw's start when he's going to get the record for most strikeouts in Dodger history. And man... I love having the chills more than anything. I get the chills, flyovers, national anthem every time. But to see Clayton Kershaw be the all-time strikeout leader in Dodger history, when he gets that, I'm sure all the fans are going to stand up in unison and clap, give him a standing ovation for a minute straight. He'll probably hate it. But that's going to be a sight to see. And I can't, I'm not going to be able to uh, go and see it live. I'll have to watch it on TV, which will still be cool. But I feel like if I should be at any freaking baseball game, it should be on Saturday when Clayton Kershaw becomes the all-time strikeouts leader in Dodger history. And that's pretty special, man. Passing Don Sutton. And I'm upset. But it's all right. Dodgers should sweep the Detroit Tigers. They're half game out of first place right now. The Giants are doing Giants things, winning baseball games. If you want to look at the other standings across baseball, the Yankees are at the top of the AL East. The Minnesota Twins are on top of the AL Central. That's a shit division. They're the only team above 500 there. Angels sitting first place in the AL West. My Mariners, America's team, everyone's going to root for the Mariners to get to the playoffs because it's been 18 years plus since they've made a playoff appearance. The New York Mets are still winning baseball games. They're at the top of the NL East. Milwaukee Brewers at the top of the NL Central. But before we get to the NBA playoffs, let's talk to talk about the dust-up that the New York Mets 
and St. Louis Cardinals had this past week. Pete Alonso gets hit in the head. The New York Mets have apparently been hit more than any baseball team to start this season. Mets fans think it's because they're finally winning. Teams are taking them serious. I don't know. A lot of dudes are getting hit. Chris Bassett, the New York Mets pitcher, said the balls just suck. These balls are different from the first inning, third inning, fifth inning. Baseball's got to figure it out. There's been lots of talk about the dead baseball. Not a lot of home runs early on this year. But for whatever reason, the New York Mets are getting hit with a baseball. And they're taking exception. So Pete Alonso gets hit on, I think, Tuesday night. Gets up. The announcer said Pete Alonso was mad. But he just got up super fast and walked to first base or jogged to first base. So the next day, the Mets want to retaliate. And they throw up and in on Nolan Arenado, one of my favorite players that's not a Dodger. And he yells at the pitcher, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, don't come at my head. Hit me. But don't come at my fucking head. And I doubt Pete Alonso got hit on purpose. I don't think there's headhunters out there like there used to be. Nolan Ryan, famously Vincente Padilla was one. He pitched on the Dodgers for a few years. I don't think anyone's headhunting. The ball's just getting away. So they have a little brawl, a little altercation, dust up. Pete Alonso gets tackled by one of the Cardinals' managers, coaches, who's probably pushing 75 years old. And Pete Alonso, man, I think he's the biggest square in all of sports. Because he goes on to talk about after the game that, you know what? If I could, I could put someone in the hospital. You know how big I am? Pete Alonso. I just can't stand him. Like, lighten up a bit. Don't take yourself too seriously. I've seen interviews with him the last few years, and he just takes himself way too seriously. It reminds me of how J.J. Watt was at the beginning of his NFL career. He's lightened up a bit. He's gone on podcasts, shown his personality. But Pete Alonso, let's relax. You got tackled by a 75-plus-year-old man. I'm sure you could put him in the hospital, but you're not really a tough guy. So stop putting up a front. So that irritated me. But I like a good dust-up. That was a good one between the Mets and Cardinals. And baseball's still going to have their dust-ups. They can do whatever they want to try to weed it out of the game. But if you don't fix the baseballs and these pitchers are even complaining about the grip on them, you're going to have these problems. So let's end this with the NBA playoffs. Tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies and Minnesota Timberwolves will play Game 6. That's been an exciting series. Two young teams. Young stars. John Morant had one of the absolute sickest dunks I've ever seen in Game 5. And he made the game winner. They take a 3-2 series lead. I don't really care who wins that series. The winner's going to get the Golden State Warriors, who look like the old Golden State Warriors. And legit contender to win it all this year. So I don't know. That's been a fun series. But the one series that I'm looking forward to, more than any series before, the Boston Celtics made easy work of the Brooklyn Nets. Tatum averaged 29.5 points in the series. They held down Durant for 26.3 points per game. Kyrie Irving, outside of that 39-point performance in Game 1, averaged 21 throughout the series. The Nets were a mess. That's all anyone wanted to talk about. But let's talk about how good the Boston Celtics look. Marcus Smart, the first guard since Gary Payton to win Defensive Player of the Year. Their team defense over there in Boston. Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Big Rob Williams underneath. They're going to take on 
the defending champions in the Milwaukee Bucks next series, who are going to be without their number two guy, Chris Middleton. They still got Giannis. But to see what Boston does on defense to Giannis is going to be the story. Can they shut down arguably the most dominant player the NBA has to offer today in Giannis Antetokounmpo? And look at that pronunciation. I have it down. And it's about time. Because when a guy wins two MVPs and becomes a world champion, you got to know his name. But that series between Milwaukee and Boston is going to be the absolute juggernaut of a series in the second round. And I'm Boston Celtics all the way this season. Yes, I'm a Laker fan, but I want Boston to win more than ever because there's been some hate. Jason Tatum's my guy, went to Duke. And I've said day one, I've said this since day one, he will have an MVP on his resume when his career's over. And we saw what he did when Kyrie Irving was hurt. And I think his second year in the league when he took LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. He can absolutely be a number one guy on a championship team. And my buddy Devin Rawl has just been against it. There's no way the Boston Celtics will ever win when Jason Tatum's their number one guy. So I said, all right, you think that? Well, you might be coming to earth this year because it looks like the Boston Celtics are rolling. So I said, if the Boston Celtics end up winning with clearly Jason Tatum as their number one guy, you have to go to a Vegas pool party in September. You got to dye your hair bright orange like a ginger. And you got to rock a Jason Tatum jersey at that pool party. And he agreed. So that's what I'm hanging on to. Devin Rawl and a Jason Tatum jersey with some ginger hair at a Vegas pool party in September. We're all rooting for it. We're all Celtics fans. The other series that we have in the second round, Philadelphia 76ers finally got rid of the Toronto Raptors. They'll move on to take on the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs. That should be a terrific series, especially since Joel Embiid, who's playing with a fractured thumb throughout the rest of these playoffs. I mentioned the Golden State Warriors will get the winner of the Memphis Grizzlies and Minnesota Timberwolves. But the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul, that dirty son of a gun, that dirty son of a gun. Phoenix was the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship this year. If you listen to any NBA podcast, everyone loves what the Phoenix Suns have to offer, of course. They probably should have won the NBA championship last year, but couldn't get the job done. They lost to Milwaukee Bucks. If Devin Booker's healthy, they're in good shape. Mikel Bridges had his career high 35 points in the final game against the New Orleans Pelicans. So in the second round, the Suns will be taken on. How do I not know? How do I not know who the Suns are taking on? They're taking on the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic. How can you not root for the guy? One of the most exciting players. He's finally healthy. So the Dallas Phoenix Suns series should be good. Can the Phoenix Suns stay healthy? 
So the second round of the NBA playoffs is probably going to be a lot more interesting than the first round. We thought the Celtics and Nets were going to be a series that we would all talk about for years to come. Turns out the Nets are just as bad as the Lakers. They're headed off to Cancun. But keep an eye on the Bucks celtics That's going to be the series that we're all going to be talking about, I believe. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. I'll be back next week talking about whatever it is we got to talk about. Woo! Go Dodgers! 